When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hello, I'm Paul Giamatti. And I'm Stephen Asma. Join us on the Chinwag Podcast every Wednesday where we trade the banal and the boring for the super strange and bizarre. They committed human sacrifice? I did bring up human sacrifice, yes. You sure did. That just went by fast. Kind of casually tossed that out. I would like to have an alien uh, hatchet young inside. Holy shit, really? She saw world peace and I saw demons coming out of the wall. I will say that there was a green couch outside of the principal's office and you sat on it if you had lice or if you got into trouble. (laughs) (laughs) They wake you up from the goo pods to live in reality and you're naked and screaming. It's like... (laughs) Follow us for free on Apple Podcasts and all major podcast platforms. For more information, go to chinwagpod.fm and find enlightenment through our Instagram or TikTok at chinwagpod or on Twitter at chinwag underscore pod. Last hawk game I watched, the opposing feed said that Trey Young just took another three from a ludicrous distance and i thought ludicrous or ludicrous you know because i don't know if ludicrous has his own sponsored spot on the floor now yeah it's called the number one spot okay come on (laughs) well it's black history month i gotta give it to you i guess i yeah Yeah. that was a great joke right it's your month that's right everything i do (laughs) for the entire month everything wait does this mean i have to file everything (laughs) Everything. <laughs> Everything. Oh no. oh no. Oh, what a conundrum we found ourselves in. Your picks have been horrible, man. It's the point. It's the point of the show. Isn't, Isn't it? it? Isn't it? it? It's Isn't possible. It? I don't understand what this podcast is about. Poppycock. It's a fuck house. On a weekly basis, we are consuming more concentrated bad movies than probably anybody in the history of mankind. Poppycock. What story? What story? <laughs> what are you talking about? Do you want lunch? I have yet to laugh in this movie. I'll just tell you that. You picked it, motherfucker. So. <laughs> just remember that. You know the problem with Hollywood is? They make shit. Unbelievable, unremarkable shit. I was legitimately offended. You were offended? I was, a, I was offended. I didn't know you could get offended. I was offended. This did it. If I were gay, I wouldn't be offended. They're fucking making shit up, I mean. Inconsequential detail after inconsequential detail after inconsequential detail. Please don't lie. One, two, three, four, five, six, seven. I'm holding a mic in my hands and now I'm talking all over. The podcast where we break down the movies you're afraid to admit you love. I'm Zach Harper. That's Amin Al Hassan. That's Anthony Mays. 
don't forget patreon.com slash count the dings you get all of our exclusive patreon content like cinefeud or game show golden dumpsters all the holiday edition movies uh, we're gonna try to have one of those for you every single month so make sure you're checking that out patreon.com slash count the dings every month yeah man there's a holiday every month is there a holiday every month isn't there if you have a submission Reminder, it needs to be submit. 40% or lower on Rotten Tomatoes for the audience of the critic score, and you just submit that submission. Every time. February is, again, I feel like this is a trap because in the little outline here, uh, before it just got changed to Black History Month. Before it just said black, right? <laughs> Feels like a trap because it's Black Month, but it's really Black History Month. It's a much better way of putting it, and we're kicking it off with the 1997 action comedy crime money talks isn't it funny how you can sometimes add letters and it makes it better and sometimes it makes it worse for instance if you said black and add the letters history black history month sounds great better right but if i added just one letter and said from black to blacks month sounds worse <laughs> it's a month for the blacks the part of the Tiger Woods documentary where he, he, he says, I want to grow up and I want to be a role model for the blacks. Oh, my God. I was like, should have known right then. Which side of the family tree was that coming from? Oh, boy. That's what I want to know. All right. Money Talk stars Chris Tucker. Chris Tucker was in Friday and Dead Presidents in 1995, then had a monster 1997 with this movie, Fifth Element, and Jackie Brown. Then in 1998, Chris was in Rush Hour. As hot as it gets for Chris Tucker. That's a run right there. Oh, my God. This was the last movie that he filmed before becoming a born-again Christian. Really? Yeah. I didn't know he was a born-again Christian. You might think, oh, because Rush Hour is like a PG-13 mainstream movie. The language is cleaner. But the reality is it's because he didn't want to cuss anymore. Oh. Rush Hour 2, he actually it actually goes down even more. Like, he cusses a little bit in Rush Hour. Rush Hour 2, he cleans it all the way up. This movie also stars Charlie Sheen, who was in The Arrival in 1996, Shadow Conspiracy, Bad Day on the Block, this movie, and then he was also in Loose Women in 1997. Wait. That's a movie. Oh. Not a dating update. That's as cold as it gets for Charlie Sheen. These are all cinephobe eligible, right? I'm sure they are. And then No Code of Conduct and Free Money in 1998. We also get Heather Locklear from Return of the Swamp Thing <laughs> and Melrose Place. Yeah, right in the middle of Melrose Place. Woo! Spin City. Yeah, she was in Spin City. It's a future callback for her and Charlie Sheen in Sin City. Spin City, not Sin City. Sin City is what they did after. Loved Swamp Thing as a kid. That whole franchise had toys, all that stuff. Loved Swamp Thing. You big Swamp Thing person? Not really. No? Oh, man, I loved it. All right, we also get Elise Neal from Hustle and Flow. Oh, I love her. All-timer, yeah. I love her, and I love her in this movie. Oh, boy. Oh, man. Humana, humana, humana. Paul Sorvino from Goodfellas. Oh, I love him. Humana, humana, humana. He's Papa Capulet and Baz Luhrmann's Romeo and Juliet. Faison Love from The Replacements gets a little cameo oh, in this one. Yeah, this, I got a fun fun piece of trivia when we get to that part of the movie. Friday Reunion. Friday Reunion, yeah. Faison Love and Chris Tucker. Money Talks, directed by Brett Ratner, a repeat offender oh, oh. from the Happy Birthday segment on Movie 43. Repeat offender in so many ways, ladies and gentlemen. Yeesh. <laughs> oh, yeah? He's one of those Me Too guys, ain't he? Is he? Welcome to Cinephobe? <laughs> Ratner has directed a ton of heavy D, D 
D'Angelo <laughs> and Mariah Carey music videos. Prolific, you might say. He also directed Rush Hour, Rush Hour 2, The Family Man, Red Dragon, X-Men Last Stand, Tower Heist, and Rush Hour 3. Those Rush Hour movies, boy, I'll tell you, man. <sighs> money Brett makers. Rander made a lot of money on the print money. Written by Joel Cohen. Nope, not that one. Nah, yeah, not that Joel Cohen. And Alex Sokolo. Yes, that Alex Sokolo. Joel wrote the screenplay for Toy Story, Cheaper by the Dozen, and he gets writing credit for Garfield, Garfield, A Tale of Two Kitties, Evan Almighty, and Daddy Daycare. Alec has the same credits. Daddy Day Camp, the sequel. Oh, Daddy Day Camp? Oh. oh. With Cuba. Oh, he's doing all he's doing is sequels? He's doing the bad sequels to already <laughs> bad movies? Apparently. Garfield 2, Bruce Almighty 2, Daddy Daycare 2. <laughs> I don't know if this is credited. Antoine Fisher did a lot of rewrites. Oh. For this movie. That's that Antoine Fisher. That Antoine yes. Fisher from I'm Still Standing, I'm Still Here. The main thing about Antoine Fisher to remember is the Dave Chappelle skit where he says he discovered that Antoine Fisher was written and directed by Antoine Fisher. I didn't know you could do that. And then he imagines <laughs> the Dave Chappelle story <laughs> written and directed by Dave Chappelle. Synopsis for Money Talks. Sought by police and criminals, a small-time huckster makes a deal with a TV newsman for protection. Racist. Huckster sounds like a racist term, right? Racist, yep. Tagline. This ain't no buddy movie. Racist. Other tagline. They're getting the lowdown on the high price of living. Racist. Why don't you tell me that beans don't burn in the kitchen while you're at it? Tagline. $25 million estimated budget. Grossed $40.9 million U.S., $48.4 million worldwide. That is a certified hit. It's a rush hour green light. Banger. That's probably what set him up for rush hour. Oh, absolutely. Before we jump into the rest of this movie and you listen to the rest of this podcast, Money Talks, for me, was available on demand. I don't know if it's a rental for everybody else. TNT. Dynamite. I wish I'd known that before I paid the $2.99 on Amazon Prime. Money Talks, I mean. I think you got some OD at this point. For what this is the shit you've pulled him in. What have I pulled? Oh my god, get out of here. All right. It's Black History Month. Oh, that's right. No, you're in the right. <laughs> Immunity! Immunity! Is it kosher to make a 40 rentals and a mules joke, or is that not okay? Whoa! <laughs> Whoa! I'm trying to give you reparations! Jesus Christ, Zach. I'm trying to get canceled with Brett Ratner here? <laughs> Money Talks receives 16% from the critics on 19 reviews. Racist. 71% from the audience on over 38,000 ratings. 29% of the audience is racist as well. I also feel like 19 reviews for this movie is kind of racist that no one went and reviewed this thing. Yeah. Racist. I mean, would you like the positive or the negative reviews? I would like the positives. And let's find out who is an ally and who is just the downright deplorable wow everybody's just thinking about the negative well i think the glass is half full everybody thinks it's half empty luke y thompson of new times why mildly funny prototype for ratner's later rush hour franchise fuck you luke how about that racist roger ebert chicago sun times he's always been an ally tucker has a personal triumph he's funny in that cocky free fall way that carrie and jerry lewis get away with He's floating on inspiration and improvisation, like a musician. Jim Carrey is a good comp. Jerry Lewis is interesting. Well, because he mentions Jerry Lewis in this movie. I think that's that's the only reason why Roger Ebert remembered Jerry Lewis. But uh, yeah, a lot of scenes in this were, were improv. A lot of scenes. Yeah. Oh, yeah, you can tell. 
Because I, I think at one point I make a note of like, is he just doing as many one-liners as he can think of? Every great comedian who turns into an actor has one movie right before where they're just like, look, just have fun. This is the general script. Just go out there and be yourself. Have fun. And this was Chris Tucker's. All right. Then we have a lot of user reviews because not many critic reviews here. So user Tony J, four out of five stars. Tony Ja. This 16% review show is how bad movies critics or at their job. This movie is a classic and one of Chris Tucker's best performances. Wasn't the best proofreading from them from Tony Ja, but. Or yeah, that's, I mean, it sounds like someone writing in, a, in their second language. So yeah. Okay. It is Tony Ja. <laughs> User Paul F, three and a half out of five stars. If you like Rush Hour, just consider this a prequel. Chris Tucker is the real star here who will keep you laughing on par with Sandler or Carrie. Oh my God. The story is ridiculous and just sit back and enjoy it. Even Heather Locklear's comedic chops are evident. Charlie Sheen's character is forgettable, but necessary to move the plot along. Hopefully you'll give this movie a chance. He thought Heather Locklear was like a stitch. In- she has like three lines. She has one funny line. Just one joke. Yeah, in the whole movie. User Antonio R, five out of five stars. Bandaras. <laughs> wow great laughs and one-liner one of the best classic 90s action comedies yes i'm with you antonio user jamie d five out of five stars one of many underrated movies there you go <laughs> shout out to jamie d <laughs> user brian b five out of five stars first of all these so-called critics that gave this masterpiece 16% need to put down the crystal meth. Whoa, dude. This is one of Chris Tucker's funniest movies ever. Action, comedy, and a terrific plot. What more could a comedy enthusiast ask for? Chris Tucker at his best with a touch of actions, a must-see. Yeah. User Burton B. Five out of five stars. A lot of bees up in here. Bees in the trap. Burton B is like the lip balm. This movie is Chris Tucker at his best. Three exclamation points. A gut popper. <laughs> 11 exclamation points. A what? Popping guts. It's a gut popper, I mean. <laughs> popper? User Robert S. Four out of five stars. Chris Tucker at his best. Him and Sheen shine in this one. Ratner would go on to do the Rush Hour movies. A laugh at loud, hilarious movie. You know guns don't kill people. Stupid motherfuckers with guns kill people. And then two more. User Derek M. Five out of five stars. I would love to see this movie. What? And you, <laughs> user Angel M, five out of five stars, all caps, fuck the critics. This movie is awesome. Ha ha ha. Not very angelic of you. Time for the negative reviews. At this point of time, my thought on critics not liking stuff is then turn it off, you fucking weirdo. You have so many options. <laughs> People who watch an entire project to hate on it. Man, it is so weird to me. James Sanford of Kalamazoo Gazette serves up a crude blend of flip comedy and jarring violence. Tucker squeals loud and long. Here's hoping he gets the Ned Beatty part when Deliverance is finally remade. What? Jesus. I don't know. In Deliverance, Ned Beatty gets raped and asked to squeal like a pig. So that is quite a review. Rod Granger of Film Journal International. Mainly a showcase for the talented Tucker, and unfortunately doesn't add up to much else. Um, maybe. I could see that criticism. He really does carry it. It is very much a Chris Tucker carry this movie vehicle. Your boy, Michael Dakina of the moviereport.com. Oh, this, this racist, this noted racist. 
<laughs> Tucker's manic energy is the only thing keeping the audience from dozing off like the rest of the cast. Fuck you. Susan Wolzignia. You saw what he did there? He tried to like, even as he's complimenting Chris, he's like backhand complimenting him. His manic energy. That that means like, oh, oh, yeah, you're so energetic. But that's like, they're trying to say it not in a good way. Fuck you, Mike Dakino. Susan Wolzignia of USA Today. Totally. It's W L O S. Z C Z Y N A Z C C Z Zerbiak C Z <laughs> Susan Zerbiak of USA Today Tucker and his profanely funny verbal bullets are about the only reason to put up with this gratuitously violent race baiting jumbled ripoff. Oh fuck you! You are racist. That's how you know. Anybody says it's race baiting, that's how you know. Oh, that's because you racist. User Jessica H, two out of five stars. Tucker's hilarious with a variety of talents, which proves he's an actor and a comedian, but the film is a disaster besides him. You're racist, Jessica. Wow. I mean, she was very complimentary of him, but okay. User Bill S, one out of five stars. Chris Tucker at his annoyingly squeaky least. Definitely you racist, bro. User Eric N, one out of five stars. Atrocious movie, but Chris Tucker shines throughout a movie that's really only funny because it's so bad. You know what the N stands for in Eric N, right? Oh my God. Yeah, that's where we're going. Black History Month, bitch. Nincompoop. User Rod E, one out of five stars. Money talks and bullshit walks all over your screen or VCR or DVD or Blu-ray player. Shut your dumb ass up. Go back to the 20th century, bitch. <laughs> VCR. What the fuck? I used a VCR this weekend, and I legitimately forgot that rewinding was a thing. To hit somebody with it? What did you? Do? What are you using a VCR for? I was at an Airbnb, and they had... A VCR, and they had random VHS tapes. Did they think that made it droll or very like, oh my gosh, this is such a cool thing that people like? Fucking white people, man. I swear to God. Goodness. Yeah. <laughs> it's that kind of the month. Yeah. Black History Month, bitch. Yeah, there you go. All right. User Kevin M, one and a half out of five stars. Yet another film I loved in middle school is now a terrible and bland action comedy that gets a more generous score than it should simply because I used to like it. Dry acting all around, especially from Charlie Sheen. There's a few good laughs in this film, but overall a very dumb comedy. Shut up. User Denise A, half star out of five stars, must not have been good because I can't even remember the movie after seeing it. Go fuck yourself, Denise. Honestly, just go and fuck yourself. User Christopher S, two out of five stars. Definitely not one of the best films I've seen. For a 90-minute film, it dragged on. Brett Ratner will never be compared to Billy Wilder, but this was ridiculous. Chris Tucker is hilarious, but he is not a leading man material. Charlie Sheen might be good-looking and might act crazy, but he does not have the acting talents to be a leading man either. Paul Sorvino plays the same guy in every film, the Italian patriarch or Italian patriarch with mob ties. How he keeps getting these roles is beyond me. Heather Locklear is great-looking, but give me a break. The best acting was done by Elise Neal, and she only had 10 lines or so. Perhaps less really is more. Obviously, enough people like this film to give Ratner and Tucker the go-ahead for the Rush Hour films. Oh, the horror. Definitely not worth seeing, save for a very few f- funny parts. These people, man. I swear to God. I don't know what they're looking for. And then two more. User Zaron Z, one out of five stars. Funny, exclamation point. Damn, exclamation point. Heather Locklear looks really hot in this. Zaron Z, thumbs down. But thumbs up for Heather Locklear. Well, he also says funny. So I just don't think he understands how the star system works. I think he thought he was ranking it number one. (laughs) The best star. And then user Jeremy S, half star out of five stars. And I just want to reiterate, this is his word. It's a direct quote. 
paycheck movie in the height of Tucker's career. Oh, bingo. All right, now we are joined by the greatest tweeter in the history of Twitter. He's one of the greatest content creators in the history of content. Josiah Johnson, he's a creator of so many things. Legends Legend. of Chamberlain Heights, uh, yeah. which was just an all-timer. He's running Netflix right now. Josiah, thank you for joining us for Money Talks. About fucking time y'all had me on this shit. I've seen everybody else getting love. I'm sitting here watching movies. Y'all know, y'all know my movie yeah. meme reference is second to none. So just proud to really be on here with you fine gentlemen. Appreciate y'all for having me. Well, you know we how I just wait. trying to get a mean off his ass. Like, it's just, we, you know, I've been, we've no. been saying we got to get Josiah on. I mean, it's like, oh, I'll get to it. We have to wait for Black History Month to have you on. Oh, yeah, have too, many, yeah, <laughs> too, too many black voices at a time. We had Roy Bellamy on. So that, yeah. After that, they told me, look, look, we're, we're blacked out for quite a while. I mean, you got to slow we're down. Maze, we're outnumbered right now. <laughs> two, two. Hey, I'm, I'm light skinned like though. So I'm, it only yeah. counts for half. It only counts for half. <laughs> you got to get it out before the 14th. He's a double agent. Josiah, you say you're, you're half, huh? And, and half and a half time. <laughs> Vic Damone Jr. Vic Damone Jr. joins us here on Cinephobe. I'm curious, oh. Josiah. So I actually, I've seen a lot of this movie a lot because it was on TBS all the time. But I realized I'd never sat down and watched it like start to finish. Like I probably seen most of the movie, but never the whole thing. Like what, what is your relationship with this movie? Definitely saw in the theaters as, as, a, as a youngster. I believe it came out in 97. So I would yep. have been 14, 15 at the time. But that's what kind of when Chris Tucker was still on his rise. And, you know, this was this was different from obviously Friday and other stuff he'd done. He broke in mainstream now with, with the Charlie Sheen and Heather Locklear of the world. So to really see him coming out and really seeing it then. And then I just watched it literally. I forgot how to do this shit. So I jumped on and watched it real quick before, before I came on just to make sure I had all my references ready to go. I remember obviously the major highlights of the movie, but to watch it again, it, the, the film holds up. It's got a lot of great ensemble cast, Paul Servino, uh, Eddie King Jr. from the five heartbeats. And, you know, I don't, I don't know actors as like their real names. I know them as the characters that they played that meant the most to me. So bro from the breakfast club was in there. I mean, it was just a, it was, you know, you watch me I bro from the breakfast club. That's bro for blood in, blood out. That's you know what you know, like you know, they came through it delivered. Obviously, not not one of you know, not better than Russia or anything like that. Don't get me wrong, but it, it still deserved to be in the conversation. It's different though. It's different from Rush Hour. That's that's my thing. It's it's one of those weird things. I always say Rush Hour is like a better made movie as far as like the script is tighter, cast contributions are more evenly spread out in terms of just like Chris Tucker's raw talent. Like, this movie is a much better showcase of his raw talent than a rush hour, I think. So you know what it's like? You know how every NBA player who's, like, a star goes through those first couple of years where they're putting up, like, Jordan in, like, the 80s and stuff, putting crazy numbers, and they get to the playoffs, but they don't really go that far. And then at some point, they convince them to reel it in. And when you reel it in, you start winning championships. Then they get better uh, better teammates. That's what this felt like. Yeah, you bring in Jackie Chan. Both Brett Ratner films. So Money Talks had like a like $24 million budget, made like 50 Stick to the studio. They can give them more bread and let them really go out there and get it. Then they went out there and got it with the Rush Hour franchise. So salute to Brett Ratner for giving, giving Chris Tucker a look. Chris Tucker, you know, legend from the Def Comedy Jam days. And... You know, made my heart happy to see him out here really getting those flares out. What's crazy is it's actually the other way around. Chris Tucker recommended Brett Ratner because they worked together on a music video. Ooh. What? Oh, is wow. Is that real? That's real. We've seen Brett Ratner's music video resume. Well, yeah, I mean, it was Heavy D, it was Ryan Carey. Like, he was all over the place, but what was the music video? 
Is that trivia for later? Yeah, I'm out here Googling as well, trying to sound smart and shit. (laughs) Naturally figured in the society we live in, the Caucasian lent lent the olive branch to the black man, but here we go. Yeah, Yeah, definitely. That was his first movie. Okay, Brett, go ahead and get it. Black History Month, bitch. That's how we do this shit. (laughs) We empower it. Caucasians, you owe us a favor for that one. I mean, you're my brother. <laughs> By the way, Brett Ratner, salute to you, and then we got to take that salute back, bro, for all that Me Too shit that happened. So, oh, okay, yeah. See, <laughs> no, I'm getting further down the Google page, and then it, uh, you know, there's a controversy. Yeah, we get to the controversy section. <laughs> let's dive into this movie. Amin, what is your first note? I don't know if you guys feel this, Josiah. You probably don't feel this way, but for me, I truly love watching movies that I've watched before that are set in L.A., now knowing L.A. Back in I'm the day so when I watched... I'm sick of this shit. No, no I, I mean, look, you do this I mean, every time we do a movie that's in L.A. Is you you go through the same preamble. But I like it. It's just, I get so excited. Like, oh, I know that street. I know where that's at. Like, you know, like, oh, that's right downtown. And uh, so I get I get excited every single time. But but I'm, I'm curious for you, Josiah, because you're from L.A. How do you process seeing movies that are shot, like, on location in your city? I've spent so much time being on sets and kind of, you know, peeling the curtain back and, and, and seeing how the donuts are made and all that good shit. So I've been on sets for a long time, but I had the same kind of thing when I when the movie opened. He's mashing down the street. I want to say that car wash looks like they converted a gas station in the Hollywood area. I want to say on like Highland and Sunset. For me, it's just kind of watching watching the movie and then seeing all these locations and knowing how it all cuts together. Like, they look like they're in Long Beach for one part, you know, I think when he's jumping out the copter. But, you know, now he's back back in L.A. quick. So, shit, if you didn't live here, you wouldn't ever really think about or process. But, like, ain't no motherfucking way his convicted ass guy from Long Beach back to the hood, (laughs) dripping wet, and then, you know, decided to go have lunch at at a a restaurant. like With a little detour to Beverly Hills. You know, like, what's cracking? How is he getting around? There's no Uber in this day. What's going on? (laughs) Right, exactly. Yeah, the the taxi bill would have been crazy. And then on top of that, I think there's a point where they're in the car chase, and I was just like, what is this route? Where are they right now? They're all over the place. And you just, I mean, you see the shit in every movie, you know, every movie that's L.A. based, they got the, you know, the little bridge downtown that they cross over for that, those beautiful shots, you know, just, just like, you know, you see them enough repetition now. And it's like, I still love and appreciate it. Cause like, yeah, I I drive down those streets. So it's awesome. Josiah, you reading from, from my notes to your mouth, man, because I just put it there. They go to bridge again. (laughs) (laughs) That bridge has been a lot of movies we've done. So we open with Chris Tucker and a Mercedes convertible singing Barry White's My Everything. And I wrote, he sounds like how a mean sounds singing karaoke. Yeah, <laughs> not cool, man. Oh, Black sorry. History man. Black History Month. He sounds amazing, just like a mean when he's singing karaoke. Driving all over the city, he's past LA Sports Arena. Larry Hankin, who's been on pretty much every single TV show at least once, plays Roland in this one, gives him a bag with some Lakers tickets, some Dodgers tickets, Phantom of the Opera tickets. Chris Ducker says black people don't want to see that shit. He's right. Luther Vandross ticket. Luther Vandross is not culture. That I took exception with. That felt racist. racist. Yeah. Racist. I need a ding or something for that. <laughs> but, then, <laughs> but, then, but then he said, fuck culture. Give me some good shit. Which I thought, well, why aren't you saying Luther is culture? Very confusing. People complain about these fucked up tickets all the time. He leaves the call and see him with tickets, pulls into the car wash, an upset customer asks him where he's been. And this is the start of a great Chris Tucker bit where he just starts lying, right? He just starts lying and talking really fast and confusing people because he's like, I've been looking for you everywhere. He hugs him. He's like, I'm so glad to see you. This is classic Chris Tucker. (laughs) 
That's what makes him great. He's so quick on everything. Like, I get it. Like, it's been edited together and everything. But these look like just one take where he's just going off the whole time. The next line is the one that gets you. And the guy says, I need two on the floor. He says, I need two hundred dollars. <laughs> <laughs> and, and my question was, these have to be Clipper tickets, right? Two hundred yeah. bucks for two on the floor. Oh. Yeah, that's in '97. Those are Lamont Murray Clipper days, right there. The guy wants two hundred dollars. It's Charlie Sheen gets out of a news van. Chris is telling the workers to hide some of the stolen goods. Chris offers Charlie two tickets to Family Opera. He's already seen it. <laughs> Chris recognizes him from the news. Charlie wants to talk to him. Chris has to make sure he looks good on on camera. He changes his outfit a little bit. Charlie calls him the car wash hustler, and Chris swears on TV, and they've got to cut it. They get interrupted again. Chris leaves in a car into the wash. This guy, Carmine, wants a lot of money from him that he owes him. I don't like brothers, and I don't like Welchers. Killing you will be double fun. I'm going to get it, but I don't want to leave Matt. Give me a hug or something. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, my goodness. (laughs) This movie is so full of these one-liners. My favorites are the ones where people don't react. And that's how I know, like, this must have been just an ad lib or something, because there's no way the character wouldn't react to some of the stuff that he's saying. It has to be. Well, Josiah, like you said, you've seen how the sausage is made with a lot of these things. Like, I can't even imagine trying to be on a set that keeps up with Chris Tucker. Chris Martin and all those type of people from back in the day, just their ad lib game would honestly, you, you end up burning and wasting tons of footage, but probably makes that, you know, I can only imagine that was like, that was the actual movie for a lot of people just coming on set and seeing those dudes and their element going ham. So I can't imagine how many hangout guys and other people were all just on set in the director's village over Brett's shoulder, just looking at looking at the screen and going crazy at, at all the shit he was doing just to make them laugh. And obviously some of it makes the movie. A lot of it doesn't. But I, I would love to see just outtakes from that movie, scenes yeah. like that, because like you said, his run. For me, it was all, I was bothered by how loud he was at the car wash. It wasn't he wasn't really a good hustler. He, he was begging. He was begging. To get, they had the whole back of the car wash trucks and all types of shit. <laughs> This is, there's nothing discreet about this. You're at a car wash. The, the inflow of traffic that you're going to get already is making the block way too hot. But got to respect it, man. Trying to get his bread. Cops roll up as he's getting out of the car. Charlie signals to the cops he's the guy. And he, as he's getting arrested, he bribes the cop $5. Franklin Hatchet? Is it? Oh, no, he dead, man. They buried him. <laughs> they buried Compton him. Cemetery. <laughs> So let me out of this cuff. I'll give you five dollars. He goes, Oh, bribery. Oh. Charlie's mad they didn't get anything good on camera. They didn't get the story he came from. Now Chris is in a cell with phase on love. Ugh. Oh my god. This whole scene, so, he is lying about how he gets picked up by the cops and what happened as phase on is just making moves. So what Josiah what Josiah just talked about, about people just hanging out. This scene originally didn't have phase on in there. It had some other actor who was chasing Chris around the cell and Chris was trying to like, oh, he's, he's trying to attack him or whatever. And Faison was there visiting and the writer and the director didn't like it. They're like, we're not feeling this scene. And so the Faison and Chris ad-libbed the whole thing. But oh my it took them like 80 takes to get it right because they kept laughing in the middle. Like, <laughs> they could, you could tell like every time something ridiculous that happened. Actually, the part I could tell was... At the end, when he says, man, get off me. What the hell wrong with you, right? If you look at Faison's face, well, you can't. You see in the back of his head, he's smiling. He's about yeah. to bust out laughing. Big worm. 
Big Worm. Big, big, big Worm and his onset chill. I mean, how do you not keep playing that dynamic and the fact that he was just there that day? I think it is. Because that's probably my favorite scene in the movie. Yeah. Probably the most memeable scene for me because I can really be out of pocket and go hard. Now, if you work at a ESPN or a Bleacher, you can't really use memes that I'm using. That's the reason. <laughs> There's reasons behind all of this, but my favorite scene. Did they grab me like this or was it like this? <laughs> Yo, my, fa- my favorite thing is while he's telling the story, Faison put his hand on his on his lap and he don't stop telling the no, story. He just moves the hand away and says, man, stop playing. <laughs> he just says, man, stop playing. In the middle, doesn't miss a beat. They put their hands on you. And they tried to, man. And one dude gonna come and try to grab me from the back. That's how they call me. That's how they brought me in. From the back? What they do? How they, they, do? they try to grab me like this, jack me up, man. Was it- like that? No, they was like grabbing, and they was right. tripping. They was trying to, they was slanging like, yeah, like that. Did they like grab? Yeah, yeah. Get the hell off me, man! Hey! I what had to rewind it because I couldn't concentrate on it because of the shit Faison's doing the whole time. Like he puts his arm around him, Chris puts it back. He reaches over to his leg, he puts his hand back in his lap. He puts his hand on the back he of his head. His he's like, put, he takes it away. Like the whole thing is fucking <laughs> comedy. The way he stares at him. It's- <laughs> Oh my god! Yeah, that's the other thing. Like, I don't know how Kristen break. Like, I know Chris is a comedy legend, but like the way Faison is like just eyeballing him is fucking hilarious. This whole time he gets transferred with a bunch of prisoners as he's walking to the bus. He asks the guard if he can borrow his gun. Man, let me borrow your gun. Ad lib line. That's what I make the note. There's so many just offshoot one liners in this one. He asks the prisoner next to him if he's from the French part of Compton. <laughs> Well, I call this dude evil John Favreau. Oh, he, looks nothing, he looks nothing like John Favreau. He looks like, what? He looks no, exactly. No. He looks like nope. John Favreau with like mascara on. Nope. No. This no, is violent. this is a running Black theme. Josiah. Oh, it's Black History Month. Black History okay. Month. He looks just like John Favreau. Yeah. Evil. Okay. Evil John Favreau. Evil John Favreau. Sorry. He he then just starts doing the Scarface impression, and this is where we're we're going through the full Chris Tucker experience. He starts just randomly doing a Michael Jackson impression for no reason. There's no context to it. <laughs> I think he's saying he's going to the prison that they're taking him to. Or whatever. I mean, is that what he was? I want to see all my all my cousins in there. I want to see all my friends. <laughs> he said Fort Lewis, right? What was he saying? Uh, oh. oh, Fort Lewis. <laughs> Fort Lewis. Fort Lewis. <laughs> <laughs> As he's doing the Michael Jackson impression, a mercenary team puts down spikes on a bridge. Another team of SUVs blocks off the bridge on one side. They block off the bridge on the other side. And guy says they have three minutes. The bridge is secure. Chris never stops talking this entire time. Helicopter kind of peeks over the bridge. Mercenaries start running toward the back of the bus. Guy next to Chris braces for the spikes. Spikes hit the tires. Bus gets out of control. Then the sheriff pushes a detonator to blow up the bus in half. And this is where... Look, yeah. I, I don't yeah. need a lot of realism here, but the, the <laughs> idea that none of them got burned by these flames. They ducked under the flames. Because even the explosion was like, yeah, everybody on that bus is dead. So yeah, that, that, easy. that was an easy. explosion. Well-placed explosion breaks a bus neatly in half. You guys didn't know that? It kills everybody except the guy in the front seat. That's why he sat in the front. You know, Chris Tucker wanted to go to the back, but it's Black History Month. Right, exactly. He knew what was they up. They tried to yeah. back in the bus. Yeah, that's the only, the only way he got to the front. The guys in the back row survived too. They had to shoot them. Yeah. So they could, like, Chris was right. Black History Month, yeah. Of course he was right. They start gunning down everybody. French guy wants to take Chris with them. Falls down as they run for the helicopter. Chris has to drop him off at his cousin's house. (laughs) No, they're celebrating that this plan worked. (laughs) I just used that meme. I just used the meme for Kyrie the other day. One One of my favorite, one of the greatest... 
shout out to the legend John Chang. The legend sent it to me. He was like, yeah, you got to use this for something. I was like, all right, I'm going to use it, John. And then I found, you know, Luau Dang the first time when he got his Lakers ring, and then I had to use it again for Kyrie. <laughs> we, did <laughs> we, it. We, we did it. We did it. <laughs> we did it, John. Thank you, LeBron. <laughs> <laughs> He does not shut up, and eventually the French guy just yells, shut the fuck up. <laughs> French guy starts speaking about merchandise and customs. It's all stored in a Jaguar at an auto expo. Chris makes out auto expo and $15 million, because apparently there aren't French words for that. He wants to be cut in. He wants to split it three ways. We have split it three ways. Three ways. Seven for you, seven for me. And you've been tripping ever since I met you. You get yeah, whatever's, you get whatever's left. left over. The fact that he didn't know that was $1 million, honestly. (laughs) Says to get rid of him, and the guy grabs an axe. He chops the handcuffs. They open the door. They say to drop him off over the land, and then Chris starts (laughs) offering them girls, chicken, cornbread, Kool-Aid. Girls, Uh, chicken, and Kool-Aid. He pushes them, and then he jumps into the water, which I'm with you, just I I think that's Long Beach. I think that's got to be, right? You see the the cruise ships right there. I hope that wasn't a stuntman, man. I hope that was a dummy because whoever fell out that shit, they landed face first in the water. They didn't dive in. They yeah. landed flat. Whap. Oh, my hurt. God. That shit would hurt like a bitch. <laughs> Whap. <laughs> they shoot at him, fly away. He complains about how cold the water is. Cut to the news station. Charlie's editor doesn't care about the bad news story. That's some hard-hitting stuff, Russell. John Tesh School of Journalism. Oh, come on, Barkley. Just watch it one more time before you decide that. Why should I? Nobody else will. Who gives a rat's ass about some two-bit hustler? The people getting ripped off by this two-bit hustler give a rat's ass. Christ, you're just another walking headshot, aren't you? Another pretty boy wanker masquerading as a reporter. I don't need this. I don't need this bullshit. Okay, well, this is the skinny, mate. You're fired. And as he's walking out, he sees the new story of the bus explosion and the takeover. So as he's watching it, Chris is now in a restaurant watching it as cops <laughs> walk in to eat. <laughs> uh, <laughs> With the handcuff on, like nobody the knows. Handcuff, handcuff on. On his wrist. He's got a white beater on. <laughs> and the newscast shows a picture of the two bodies that haven't been recovered, which is... Evil John Favreau and Chris, who's the only one that they that they can identify, Franklin Hatchet, and the cops are watching the newscast, and he looks at them and kind of shakes his head like, "Man, can you believe this shit?" Like as if they wouldn't recognize him from the picture. The look on the way he shakes his head, man. I had to pause the movie because I was laughing so hard, man. Because that's just such a subtle thing, man. It's such a yeah. subtle piece of comedy. It, I couldn't tell if he was supposed to still be wet or if he was sweating profusely from the situation because he is covered in some kind of liquid and then my next note was i don't know how realistic any of this movie is never mind the cops just started randomly shooting at him no questions asked in a public place <laughs> this is very and then they, and this smart man they say come out with your hands above your head he says i'm going to but i didn't do it and they keep shooting at him they say come out with your hands up and they just keep shooting at him relentlessly i'm sorry he, i'm sorry very say, realistic. This makes, yeah, I'm going to say, that sounds as realistic as anything we've seen in any movie ever. The LAPD kept shooting? No, not my LAPD. He runs out of the restaurant. They pursue him in an alley. He's running on cars in traffic as he escapes. He hides behind a bus, grabs onto it, and drives past them. He escapes, and then on the back of the bus, it's Charlie Sheen. Aha! Pulse of L.A. Pulse of L.A. <laughs> the dude who just got fired. The dude who just got fired. <laughs> yeah, he calls Charlie, and they're going to meet. 
Charlie brings a prostitute's gun that he has, like, on the back of a picture frame. <laughs> yeah, and then he says, I cannot wait for you to eat my ass. Yeah, <laughs> as he's walking out, he glares at his editor and says, I can't wait for you to eat my ass. I'm like, okay. Maybe that was that was where ass eating was birthed. That's where black, black, black people saw this movie. I'm sure. I that, do that, believe that, that Charlie that. Sheen invented that. That sounds I like some shit you would invent. I don't. I don't believe that Charlie Sheen was acting in that. <laughs> he didn't know the cameras were rolling. I'm just saying. My ass. Wait, are um, we working now? My bad. <laughs> the principal from the Breakfast Club knocks on a door, and it's Elise Neal. She oh. answers it. Just I, you, you run in these circles. Do you know Elise Neal? I do not. Oh, are, they, I, are I, you at least a degree of separation away? I'm, I'm familiar with her work as an actor, but no, I, no, no. I, I, I need, I need to meet her, man. Yeah, that'll happen. That'll Why would it. I? Josiah's a connected guy. Josiah's a big. Why would he hook timer. you up? Because he's my friend. Yeah. <laughs> Paul Gleason is also a repeat offender. Johnny B. Good. He wants to know about Chris Tucker. One of the detectives gets pushy. She lets him in. There's a lot of yelling with the pushy detective and her. He calls Chris a gangbanger. They're playing bad cop, worst cop. I call I call, I call the principal from Breakfast Club Detective Exposition because he explains the situation to her and gives her his card. He left on the freak train to Atlanta six weeks ago. I always like to point this out. Anytime a police officer is polite towards a black person in a movie, it's because they're secretly the bad guy. <laughs> Hollywood, if it's a good cop, he would have treated those black people like shit. That's how Hollywood works. Nighttime on the docks, Charlie's looking for Chris Tucker. Uh, Chris walks up behind him, Charlie pulls a gun on him, and then Chris just pushes him into the water. The fuck was that for? That's for getting me busted, goddammit. And what you bring a gun down here for? Because you're wanted for murder, asshole. I ain't murdering no goddamn body. I don't know that. Well, now you know, because if I could, I'd murder your ass right now, coming out here with a gun and shit. You know, guns don't kill people. Stupid motherfuckers with guns kill people. Oh, I'm enlightened. Yeah. I'm your ass. Bring your monkey ass on up here. They're yelling at each other. I wrote, is this a gun control movie? Kind of feels like there's a little message there. Charlie wants the exclusive story. Says he'll hide Chris from the cops who want to kill him. Without him, Chris will end up dead. They want someone to blame, and it's him. Cut to, they're at Charlie's place, and Chris says he can't stay there for two days. Charlie says he's right, he can't. They're going to go to his wedding. Charlie gets him out of the handcuffs. <laughs> he, did a, he did a report once on a skate artist, the women who loved him, and Chris wants him to teach him, says they have plenty of time to learn. Charlie says he wants Chris to shower and shave. Then he calls his old boss, tells him that he has Chris. Now he's been rehired. Charlie is dictating the terms of the story. His old boss says, words like that give me a stiffy, and at my age, I can't afford to waste them. Good advice. Yeah, it's good advice. You don't want to waste those stiff. <laughs> well, actually, now that kind of sounds like Brett Ratner. Has a little something to do with that part. Uh, never mind on that. Yeah, you never. I, I didn't want to waste it. What? Yeah, you didn't want to waste it. Right, exactly. Uh, Chris is watching Ooh. an infomercial for Victimone. <laughs> Future callback. <laughs> and it's greatest Victimone. His music will last forever. Victimone. What the hell is a Victimone? Victimone's greatest hits. Ain't no goddamn greatest hit. I ain't never heard it. He thrilled the world when he married actress Diane Carroll. Now he'll thrill you again. I hell like tell you gonna get a fine-ass black woman like this. The timeless hits of Vic Damone. Vic Damone. Shit, he can't sing. Only reason she married because he got money. Taking all our sisters. Vic Damone. Inserting this infomercial as plot development is incredible. Oh, it's so good. No, but it's oh, it's perfect. It's perfect, perfect for his line, yeah. And it's a very 20th century bitch bathroom television. He yeah. can't sing. Oh. He can't sing. 
I think that was that's where a lot of us heard about Victor Moan, but you never oh. forgot about Victor Moan after that moment. Oh, absolutely. I've never heard of Big Damone at all, you know, and obviously Big Damone Jr. became the <laughs> name of some dude, some rapper actually used that name now, Big Damone oh, Jr., wow. but wow. that's that's what it's from, man. Oh, my goodness. Uh, oh. <laughs> Big Damone and Diane Carroll's kid, of course. <laughs> <laughs> we get introduced to Heather Locklear. She's Charlie's fiance. He's running late for the rehearsal dinner. He's bringing an old friend from college. As he makes up a story about Chris Tucker, uh, Heather says that he sounds weird. He says he'll be there soon. Tells Chris to hurry up and to find something that fits. We get some real Montrez Luca vibes because he calls him a dirty ass white boy for having a dirty tub. <laughs> I mean, how often do you clean your tub? Well, I don't have a tub. So. Oh, okay. Just a standing yeah, shower? I was, yeah. I, I don't believe in tubs, man. I like the walk-in I shower. I've reached a point. This is the, the highest point of affluence I think I've ever reached. I used to, my mark used to be auto pay on all my bills now i've reached a higher level which is i don't stay in a hotel room if we don't have a walk-in shower wow wow you get love like that because the courtyard courtyard and marriott ain't really giving you that so that's my that's my price grade don't do courtyards bro (laughs) (laughs) don't do courtyards can't do it can't do it You gotta get um, me an executive lounge bro can't have nice jesus paying Uh, for breakfast with the plebes Zayed, how often do you clean your tub? I have a maid service that comes and handles all of that because, as the maid mentioned, I'm also I'm also affluent. I'm not doing all that. Must be nice, and guys. The concept of a tub is nasty as shit anyway, just because that's the same thing that people are taking showers in. Like, what's going on? Yeah, it's gross. Exactly. How often do you clean your tub, you dirty-ass white boy? Oh, I have a maid service, too. Every two weeks. What's up, Cinephobiacs? or cinephobe listeners or whatever you want to call yourself if you're a listener cinephobe and you're just calling yourself a ctd fan i don't know that's not the point we want to tell you about a fun new thing we're doing every thursday on the stereo app stereo app is a live social conversation app where you can be a co-host you can be part of the conversation you can just listen whatever you want to do but what you can do is support us and have fun with us and interact with us on the stereo app Every Thursday for Count the Dings, we're going to have Cinephobe content. We're going to have mailbag content. We're going to have after shows for the Cinephobe episode that just came out that week. You know, we put stuff out on Wednesday, Thursday night. Boom. A Cinephobe after show. Talk about all the stuff that happened in the recording, all the stuff that maybe we couldn't say. You'll get an exclusive right there on the Stereo app. And it's easy. Just download the Stereo app and follow me at Stereo.com slash TalkHoops. Follow Amin at Stereo.com slash Darth Amin. We're all on there and we're all going to have these fun, interactive after shows. It's like a live show, but it's on the Stereo app. And the way you can really help us is when you go to Stereo.com slash Talk Hoops or Stereo.com slash Darth Amin, make sure we're the first show you listen to. Again, we're starting it this week, every Thursday. Download the app, download the Stereo app in whatever smartphone store you got and come check us out as the first show you listen to Thursday night. You're going to help us out. You're going to be able to get some extra content and we're going to have a lot of fun. It's a lot of interactive. Talk to us, ask questions, make fun of us, whatever. And we'll talk about how much we hate each other from that week's episode of Cinephobe. So make sure you hang out with us on Stereo.com slash Talk Hoops, Stereo.com slash Darth Mean. Follow all of us. Get notified every time we go live. Let's have some fun like it's a live show, baby. Chris picks uh, Charlie's favorite suit, says, don't get mad at me because I look better in your own shit. I should be Ebony Man of the Month. Pull up to an insane estate. 
palatial. Oh, my God. Chris says he worked himself into some rich pussy. That's what you did. Charlie gives some orders for the night. Lay low. We get a little bit of banter. He's giving him background info to say on who he is. Chris isn't going to say any of it. Then he warns Chris not to say anything about his fiance's weight. She's sensitive about it. And that's where we meet Paul Sorvino, who's the future father-in-law. Chris introduces himself as Vic Damone Jr. So unbelievable. Oh, who's this? This is a very good friend of mine. This is Vic Damone. Junior. Oh, yeah. So he's Diane Carroll's kid and Vic Damone's kid. So you're half and half Italian. Hey, Bazan. Hey, me and your father? Forget about it. Come here. This is when I knew Amin would... 100% file this movie because it's what he does like every podcast. Oh, God. Hey, Paisa! <laughs> well, first of all, he says, so you're half and half Italian. Oh, okay. Hey. <laughs> then he goes, to, hey, Paisa. And he walks in the house and says, Mama Mia! God, your house. Magnifico! Motabella! Tutti Fruity! The sad thing is, oh. kids nowadays will watch us and not appreciate it, but literally. Side-busting comedy. Side-busting. What it was like growing up in the Hollywood household. Oh, you know, he's like, I got me, Jimmy Walker Jr., <laughs> Sammy Davis Jr., Jr. Sammy oh, Davis Jr., Jr. fucking killed me. That sent me. That Dude, was- so, so real talk, in the front office, when we would be scouting a player and the player would be the son of a former player, it didn't matter what his name was. He would just turn into so-and-so junior so like steph curry wasn't steph curry for like the first year and a half he was del curry junior which i think he actually is in real life but we didn't like we're just like how del curry junior do the biggest sign of respect is if we stop calling you your father's name junior and start calling you by your actual name the one exception was if you were actually a junior so west matthews junior turned into west matthews junior junior <laughs> I love how how simple that is because that's easy cadence to pick up on. Anybody can get it. <laughs> Tim Hardaway Jr. Jr. Yeah, yeah. Oh. Tim Hardaway Jr. Jr. All the juniors. <laughs> Paul welcomes uh, Chris Tucker in immediately, and he just starts saying nonsense in Italian, just whatever Italian words he can think of. That's what he says. He meets Heather. He calls her fat. She thinks it's fat, but it's actually fat, P-H-A-T. Pretty hot and tempting, which I didn't know was an acronym. Nick Cage would be proud. You didn't know that? I did not. What? Two Americas? Three Americas? How many Americas are happening here? I don't love this joke now. It's too played out, but at the time, this was an amazing joke. Oh, yeah, man. Yeah. The whole, that was the whole reason to, to throw the whole weight sensitivity in there, just to have this callback. Now he's complimenting her to Charlie. His mother-in-law is not as welcoming. Paul Slavino wants to know about growing up in show business. He talks about how Sammy Davis Jr. Jr. calls him all the time to hang out. (laughs) (laughs) They ask him what he does now. Charlie says sales. He says seats. Charlie says stock market. She asks if he's a broker, and he says a ticket scalper, but he needs notice if they need good shit. They think he's joking. He's not. Paul Slavino offers him Dom Perignon 85. He says, how about some Colt 45? Uh, laughing so beautiful. Uh, Charlie and Chris argue in private about what's happening Chris puts him, himself back by uh, Heather Locklear Chris tells her that uh, he had all the guys and women in college he had all the women all the women <laughs> Yeah, I mean them twins wasn't his but but yeah all the girls and he said all the girls all the guys I fucked them all <laughs> that's what I wrote the note did Charlie know he was filming here <laughs> I do think that's just real Charlie Sheen behavior 
<laughs> Chris grabs the champagne, runs on the staircase, proposes a toast. He's just giving Barry White lyrics. My everything. Which only the mom recognizes. Which should let you know what she was getting cracked for Black yes. History Month back in her heyday. <laughs> Charlie's furious. Heather's happy. Everyone claps for him. Mother-in-law glares at him. He asks Paul for a phone. And he says, you can tell the kid is Italian. He feels deep. Remember when you had to ask people if you could use their phone? Yeah, that was, I mean, Jesus. 20th century, bitch. That was a 20th century, bitch, situation. Like, I, the idea of asking to use a phone now is insane. Right. Like, what's wrong with your phone? Like, <laughs> <laughs> like even, even, in, even in your honor, in the show Your Honor, I don't know how caught up you are. But there's a scene where he's like, oh, my phone died as he's trying to, like, get into an Uber or whatever. I'm like, that would never happen to me. He calls Elise uh, as he's just ripping off a box of cigars. Yeah, he just takes the whole collection of cigars. Detectives are tapping her phone. He tells her someone set him up. Well, where have you been for the last 24 hours? Okay, you better not be over no girl's house. Hell no, I ain't over no goddamn girl house. I'm wanted for murder. I ain't got time to get no pussy. What? I ain't fucking nobody but you. Yeah, uh-huh. such a great pivoter oh my god they trace him to beverly hills paul wants to know he's if he's okay afterwards he said frank sinatra jr got in some trouble again uh the detectives are headed his way chris is heading to her place charlie pleads with him for the story for sweeps week says fuck a sweeps week it's sweeps week man (laughs) fuck a sweeps week oh in that case in that case, yeah. we're talking about a goddamn broom and shit. And then, as the cop is, he's about to walk out of the the driveway. These cops roll by, and he just turns around and goes, "Tell me about Sweeps Week." <laughs> they leave the party, and Heather looks longingly at Charlie. Charlie wants him to tell the truth because he knows how his type operates. Very coded language, I mean. Mm-hmm. Yep. Coded. Not, not not so coded. Yeah, not so coded. <laughs> Oh, yeah. no, we, we cracked the code? Okay. Chris shades him about his priorities, blames him for getting him busted. I will slap you, man. I will slap the hell out of you. You don't play with me. You don't know who you're messing with. I don't even know when I'm going to slap somebody. My reflex is just slap people. I'd be like, damn, I, why, did I, why did I do that? I don't even know when I'll be slapping people. I don't know when I'm going to slap somebody. You keep messing with me. I'm dangerous. I'm scared of myself. They call me snap and pop because I snap and I will pop your ass in the mouth. Don't mess with me, man. You better watch your back. Watch your goddamn back. Even in the shower, eating at picnics, you better watch your goddamn back. Make a right. He just never shuts the fuck up. <laughs> He's always talking. Charlie sees the stakeout, points it out. Detectives are tired, and once they see the lights in the apartment go out, they uh, kind of rest. Chris walks in. Elise swings on him. She's threatening to move back to Riverside. Shout out Kawhi Leonard. <laughs> she wants to know what's up with them. Detectives see the lights, and now they're headed up to the apartment. She wants to know what's up with Carmine and the $25,000 he owes, and he wants to make sure the baby's okay. Charlie starts talking about sonograms. He did a report on sonograms or something. He's always done a report, a handy report. Man, he is, he's terrible in this movie. Yeah. Is he? Yeah. Think is he? he? I, he's I thought, so bad. Welcome to Cinephobe. What? Charlie, like, he, Charlie Sheen's supposed to be funny. He's not supposed to be funny. <sighs> I don't think he's supposed no, to be he, funny. He's supposed to like give some like dry humor in this one. He's the hard-ass... And, like, Chris Tucker is the one that, like, makes jokes at his expense. Okay, I mean, I mean, replace Charlie Sheen with Jason Bateman in this as the straight man. He's not oh, going to be mean, funny? I, obviously, Bateman's better, but I didn't think <laughs> Charlie Sheen was terrible. He's awful in this movie. He was riding that uh, that Martin Sheen wave. 
Oh, yeah. Oh, God. For fucking decades. Up until two and a half minutes. The detectives bang on the door, threaten to break it down. They kick it in without a warrant. Searching for Chris. He escapes to the roof. Cops are just wildly shooting at them. Detective Exposition says not to try to kill everybody to the hothead cop. Charlie tries to take him to a club called the Red Camel. Actually, <laughs> when they're rolling up, the first line is, all you've been doing is bitching and bitching and bitching ever since I met you. Isn't that the same thing he said about the prisoner? <laughs> yes. Yeah. <laughs> and the, the Red Camel Club is the same place that there was a stamp for earlier on one of the guys. Oh, I missed that. He gets denied because he's a reporter. Yeah, we're trying to flash your news badge to get into a club. Real cool, Charlie Sheen. That's how you get in. That's why people get uh, media and blue check marks, you know? You can get into any club you want. That's how that works. Flash the blue check. Skip the line. All right. It does work wonders. It does. It work works wonders. wonders, yeah. That's why S- STK follows me. <laughs> I, don't, uh, I don't get any more of those, how do you get verified DMs, thankfully. Hey, man, how do you get verified? Like, I don't know. God I, likes me. What? Be famous, nigga. <laughs> <laughs> I got one. I got one recently on Instagram. Someone was like, "Hey, can you get me verified?" I was like, "No, I got it through work." And they, the person just said, "Can they get me verified?" I was like, "Do you work with us? How the fuck is that gonna happen?" Also, why do you need to be verified? Chris makes a bomb threat on a payphone, fights Charlie out of the phone booth. Ah, the old bomb threat trick. Oh, Mike from Michigan, remember me? <laughs> They watch as the place empties out. Uh, he IDs one of the bad guys from the breakout. They're tailing him down the street. And as they walk towards a dark area, headlights flash on them. They're being chased by a car now as someone shoots at them. And they hide in this uh, this deli, this closed del- deli. When the, the women are running out, he says, they're watching and waiting for my man to come out. And Chris says, damn, that bitch is fine. <laughs> French bad dudes follow them into the deli. They get away. Owner comes out with a baseball bat. gets lit up by a machine gun. Chris takes Charlie to see Aaron to help them out. He gets in by knowing that Aaron shot a dude in the ass in the park. Where'd he shoot him? MacArthur Park, you big dummy. No, where'd he shoot him? In the ass. <laughs> yes, everyone knows he got shot in the ass. By the way, Aaron. Here it comes. Josiah said, you know, you just know everybody named by the characters they play. You call him Eddie King Jr. from from Five Heartbeats. I always think of him as Omar White from Oz. Oh, Omar I get him in Leon confused. Now Leon was Jefferson Keen. Yeah, for Jefferson. sure. I, I just started watching Oz again. I got the HBO Max re up, so I've, I've been on. And yeah, Oz, Oz is like the, the fucked up version of Orange Is the New Black. <laughs> His voice is amazing, by the way. Oh man, yeah, such a deep, gravelly voice. <laughs> oh. <laughs> You know, little Johnny's invisible Johnny now, right? <laughs> yeah, I know. <laughs> I went to the funeral. It was closed casket and everything. Fucked up what y'all did to him. <laughs> <laughs> invisible Johnny's a fucked up. Yo, that is a fucked up way of telling somebody that they killed somebody, man. Little Johnny is now invisible Johnny. Oh, my goodness. Aaron wants two courtside tickets for a playoff game, even if it goes to game seven. No bullshit. <laughs> Tucker says Charlie's a reporter and Aaron pulls a gun out. You don't know nothing about the hoes and the guns and the drugs. <laughs> a reporter. What are you trying to report on? Report on my lifestyle. No, 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 no. He don't know nothing about the, the drugs and the guns. Oh, my God. Yeah, this shit was so dumb, man. And then uh, he, he, he talks him off the ledge. Wow, like, come on, man. Remember when we used to play Pity Pat? Jump rope. High and go seek. Red light, green light. 
Red light, green light. Red light, green light. Do y'all remember playing red light, green light, man? I miss that game. I I, I don't yeah. know. So, Josiah, you got kids. I got kids. My kids are a little older than yours, but my kids also are soft, so I don't know. Do your kids play <laughs> red light, green light? Do they know what that game is? Because oh, I'm, I'm worried game. that this game has disappeared off the face of the earth now. Hey, they're they're three and two, so they don't they don't know okay. shit yet. I literally like the highlight just trying to stop them from eating their own shit. So that's that's where I'm at in my parenting. Hand three in the diaper and pool. two, and One, you two before do all this months. work. We out here getting it. Me and me and my God. wife go hard. We divvy up the responsibilities. We have a nanny. We are affluent. That's why you work hard. <laughs> so you can be affluent enough. That, you know, some people get stimulus checks. Some people get blue checks. It's just how it goes. Wow, I know Josiah's rich. I know Josiah's rich because he pronounces it affluent. I've always been saying affluent, but that's yeah. that's kind of that shows how broke I am. Affluent. <laughs> it's affluent. Or is uh, it affluenza because it's affluenza? So it might be. Uh, I don't even know. I have right. a mild case. Affluenza. I'm too rich. I have a mild case. Mild <laughs> case of affluenza. Uh, I got too much money. I be doing fucked up shit. I got He hits a remote control. A curtain flies back, and it is an armory that looks like, like fucking John Wick, had like had a fucking yard sale. Just behind the curtain, you know, just right there in the main room. He's going through the amazing M5. He's he's H- Uzi. Yeah, he's got everything. There's no witch that an HK MP5 can't scratch. Now we get to Heather at home, and she hears a news story about the Delhi murder. She sees the suspects are Chris and Charlie. Well, Charlie knows a lot about guns because he did a report last year on street weapons. Sure. Chris <laughs> and Charlie show up to her parents' house. Chris will eat. Uh, will eat with them as Charlie talks to Heather. Mother-in-law is still skeptical of Chris. Paul orders him an Italian breakfast with mozzarella omelet. Yeah, the little ancient Italian grandma <laughs> comes out with the oversized sunglasses. And the maid outfit. <laughs> He's telling her to make him a special omelet. Let me get the Italian grits on the side. Yeah, Chris wants the Italian grits on the side. And then the mom quotes Barry White back to him and leaves the table. Chris opens the paper, sees his face on the By front the way, page. The little old lady, that's, that's Paul Sorvino's mom. Kind of messed up. Why is she wearing a maid outfit then? clearly yeah it's clearly you don't have affluenza oh my goodness. then he sees an ad for the auto expo that it was talked about earlier and wants to know what they're getting uh from paul as a wedding gift chris asks how rich he is and says loan me a million dollars you gonna load it to me though <laughs> every every time you've ever heard anyone say remember the nelly line i'm just playing unless you're gonna do it right that all came from this movie when he shows him the watches and he talks him yeah. out of the watches, say, "Let me. Why don't you let me hold on to them?" Now I'm just playing. Unless you will let me do it. Like that, that's classic, classic, classic scene. How many pillows on that bed? They were like the half. No, there was just like half the bed was just pillows, which led me to this next question. I'm gonna start with Josiah because again, Josiah, you have a living spouse. How many <laughs> pillows are on your bed? Shit, at least eight. We got the the, the, For real? the two sleep. No, actually not like four. We got the two sleeping pillows and then the ones, the throw ones that we just throw on the ground. Rich people shit. You have rich people have pillows they just throw off the bed. They don't even use. They're not even four pillow. Yeah, it's a throw pillow because you throw it off the bed. <laughs> right. Man, I got a my pillow too. Oh no. I'm, no. I'm just with you. <laughs> yo, I'm about to say, yo, you ain't that affluent. <laughs> nah, nigga. I was almost at the capital. Oh, oh. <laughs> 
you were that dude. <laughs> you know that one, the one brother that had a picture of it said, "Now if I were a stimulus check, where would I be hiding?" <laughs> oh my god, Maze, how many pillows you got on your bed? Maze, Maze just Christ clip in, just clip in the answer from when he asked this. Yeah, long uh, came Polly episode. Long came Polly. Yeah, oh, counter throw pillows. Okay, so he's playing coy with Paul Sorvino. Says you know the watches aren't it. Then says that they want a European type racer car. Paul wants to know how the hell he's supposed to get that by tomorrow morning, and uh, Chris knows a place. Says they want a dope ride, and Cipriani says, no, no, we don't do dope in this family. (laughs) (laughs) Heather scolds Charlie for bringing a killer into the house, and then Paul and Chris go to the auto expo to bid on this car. Where's Trump? Chris spots the French guys. Chris keeps turning down car suggestions from Paul. The Jaguar comes up, and Chris tells Paul to get that one. One of the cars, he says, (laughs) that's Ike Turner old car. Who's like Turner? Open. That's a fucking bar and a half right there. I want to just tell you guys a really quick story here about auctions. I don't know if any of you guys have ever been in an auction. In like- During Black History Month? Um, yeah. Oh, my God. This is a trap. So, no, it's not a trap. Watch this. Oh, oh yeah. I didn't even think about it. <laughs> oh, even even the, the joke missed me. A year ago, I went to the Suns charity event, right? They had a charity event, and they decided this year they wanted to do it as an auction and a fashion show at the same time. So they're auctioning off items, experiences. In the middle, players are walking out. The other person who hosted it was Roz. And I was like, y'all flew Roz out here? I'm right here, man. Or or you flew this other dude out here. I could have been the person who hosted this, but it's no matter. So I'm starting drinking, and I'm drunk, right? And I'm sitting... These, I'm sitting right, <laughs> yay, like I'm lit because I'm like, okay, I, I see how y'all want to play. So I'm li- sitting right by like the start of the runway where it comes out. On the other side of the runway is where Robert Sarver, the owner of the Suns, is sitting at his table. So I'm like, you know what? Let me let me stun out here. The first item comes up, and quickly the bidding gets up to like fifteen, twenty-five thousand dollars, right? And da da da, it ends up at like thirty thousand dollars. And boom, so and then they walk some. All right, next item. I'm like, you know what? I'm a bid a little here. I ain't gonna win nothing, but I'm a bid just to stun out here, right? Because again, I'm drinking. I'm feeling good. The item is a limo comes and picks your kids up from school with the Suns dancers and the gorilla and DeAndre Ayton in it. Let's start the bidding. Bidding starts at like one thousand dollars. Boom! I got my paddle up. Boom! One thousand dollars. We got the auctioneer, right? Fifteen hundred. Two thousand. 20, uh, and I'm thinking to myself, I'm going to go up to a certain point. Once they get to like 10,000, I'm going to let it go after that. But like the beginning parts here, I'm going to be real active, right? So boom, 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 boom. I gets to $7,500. I'm like, $7,500. Because I'm thinking someone, the last item went for 30 grand. Someone's going to get this thing for 10. I'm for sure someone's going to go 10 and then I'll bow out, right? Or whatever. Guy goes seventy five hundred dollars. Do I hear ten thousand dollars? Do I have ten thousand? Do I have ten thousand dollars? Seventy five hundred dollars is still the top bet for this gentleman right here. Do I hear ten thousand? Do, do I hear nine thousand dollars? Do I hear nine thousand? Nine thousand? Eight thousand dollars? Seventy five hundred going once. I was like, you motherfucker! Seventy five hundred going twice. Don't you fucking do this to me. So to my man over here in the black jacket, oh, I'm like, no. and so the, there's a spotlight that comes on you, and all I could do is have this maniacal laugh and smile on my face, like, oh yeah, I'm having yeah, I'm having a grand old time. And internally, I 
died, man. I fucking died. Because first of all, I don't this this item is whack. I don't want this item. I would never have my kids <laughs> get picked up by by fucking the gorilla and DeAndre Ayton and the Suns dancers in the limo. It's just anti everything I'm I'm for in terms of my my kids being raised to be regular people. But then the other thing is like, I don't even want to give this as a gift to anybody, man. Seventy five hundred dollars. There's nobody in the world that I like seventy five hundred dollars worth. Okay, so I pay for it, but I'm like, I want to donate it back to the charity. So that way, like, I get double charity, double credit. The whole time, I'm smiling, and the spotlight's on me, and I'm looking around. And the whole time when I was bidding, I would look over at Robert, right? Because I want him to make eye contact with me. Motherfucker, yeah, that's me. I'm fucking buying up shit at your shit. I'm, I'm bidding on shit. He wouldn't look at me the whole time. As soon as I won, I looked at him, and he looked at me. We made eye contact, and it was all fucking worth it. I was like... Fuck yeah, because I know that motherfucker's embarrassed. It's embarrassed. I came up in here and I'll bid all his little rich friends. And if I were him, honestly, I would have never let my black ass walk out of here as the highest bidder. I would have thrown the 10K down and be like, get your black ass out of here, you broke motherfucker. But he didn't play that. So I got to walk out of there a champ and a hero. And also, can I borrow some money from y'all guys when we're done with this? <laughs> oh, man, we're short on time here. Let's keep going in this show. Uh, Chris keeps telling him to turn it down till the Jaguar gets there, tells him to get that. French guys are bidding. They notice Chris. We've got a bidding war. Charlie shows up, and we get 135 to the man taking aim at the mechanical masterpiece as a guy's making a I'm going to shoot you motion at Chris Tucker. Chris Tucker throws up a couple blazing middle fingers right back at him. 140 to the gentleman who's welcoming all challengers. Yes. The auctioneer kind of killed it here. Chris goes to call the cops, tells Paul to keep bidding, tells the fake sheriff that the cops want to talk to him, and they're on their way. He goes and tells the other French dude the police are coming. Charlie wants to know what's happening. They start fighting in the hallway. They're throwing punches. Charlie gets hurt. Charlie launches into some ebonics. I want some answers. Hey, man, me and God just down here checking out some fly rides and macking some holes and chilling. Imagine that. Because I got G-Dog on a fly tip, flossing with the pussy, cutting in the crib. What the fuck does that mean? Hey man, I don't want to beat your ass, but I will beat your ass. I laughed so fucking hard the first time he said it. And I laughed today when I watched it today. It's like a G-Dog on a fly trip. Flossing with the pussy. Cutting the crib. What the fuck does that mean? <laughs> he is so clearly frustrated. I submit to you once again. He's not acting. Oh, that's wow. Charlie Sheen not understanding the dialogue that's happening oh, in the show. Oh, Charlie script. Sheen definitely uses the N-word, right? Yeah, for sure. Absolutely. Oh, yeah. Hard R. Hard R. Yeah, oh, the heavy, heavy, heavy in the 80s, 90s. Mm, then he had to yeah, slow down absolutely. a little bit. The bidding is up to $250,000. French guys roll out. Paul wins the car. French guy grabs Charlie with a gun as he's uh, tending to his fight wounds. Chris is in the shop trying to get the merchandise out of the car. That's when the fake sheriff comes up, shoots at him. We've got a car chase. Chris is shooting behind him. He's getting shot at. We head through the streets. We head through an alleyway. We're in the hills. There's some random bums smoking in an alley, and one of them has a gun. I'm super confused by the route on this one of just where they are throughout the city. And Frenchie's routing is poor. Yeah, he keeps taking these odd angles. He thinks he's escaped through a tunnel. That's when the French dude flies off a bridge and over him causes a huge pileup. Chris gets away. (laughs) Paul learns from Heather about the murder wants to know if if he's actually victim owned son he's so pissed that chris tucker is an italian <laughs> you mean he's 100 moolie he calls off the wedding he's a fucking moolie <laughs> <laughs> fucking moolie <young. laughs> 
Uh, he says that she's not marrying Charlie. Mom says that they've got 300 guests coming. He says, tell them Grace is getting married to some no good limp dick bastard. She says, he's not limp dick, daddy. I don't want to hear that. That's her one line in the whole fucking movie. It is. Heather loves him and trusts him. No conclusion. Paul Sorvino is acting his ass off. <laughs> he realizes it's not Victor Moan Jr. <laughs> Chris finds the diamonds in the car. He meets Elise at Pioneer Chicken. She's uh, kind of in a disguise. He wants to make sure nobody followed. Says, look under the table. Shows her the diamonds. It scares her. They can go wherever they want. Might buy a a small country. This is right. Can't get no writer. (laughs) Mad she wants him to call the the cops he screams at her french guys are beating the shit out of charlie they want the diamonds pager goes off i mean do you have a pager i did have a pager yeah man i had the alphanumeric you called some operator and told her what you wanted it to say and then it would come on my pager man i was i was pimping man i thought i was really doing something and then i lost my pager oh man and when you got a pager contract but you have no pager <laughs> Not a good feeling, guys. I'll just uh, tell you right now. Josiah, did you have a pager? I had the, the basic-ass one. It took my mom forever to get one, and really it was just me texting her to pick me up from school. <laughs> I, I, had, I had a bunch of friends in eighth grade who had them, and so I tried to get one. My dad said, fuck no, you're not getting a pager. And I met, that was the end of the conversation. <laughs> he had a beeper. <laughs> hey, call me, dog. <laughs> Maze, you you, Maze, you're too young for, no. for a beeper, right? Maze. Yes, I was too young. Maze Uh-oh. first phone was like a sidekick, probably. It was around that era. I never had a sidekick, though. I had some big-ass fucking brick from Qualcomm. Oh, my oh, God. Qualcomm phones. Oh, shout out to Qualcomm. Oh, let me tell you. I had 180 minutes a month as the first Ooh, the first time remember, I got it. Do you and remember that rationing? Remember when I mean, you said, let me tell you this. call you, this ain't any time? I went to... <laughs> I went to the gym one day to play basketball and I put my phone and everything in a locker and I went and played for three hours. And when I came back, as I picked up my phone, it had called the voicemail the entire time for three hours. You were done for the month. I, I was done. I was done for the month. (laughs) Now that's quality communication. Because I played fucking basketball for three hours. Sprint, Sprint, you said, I remember Sprint was the first one that had incoming calls were free. No, actually, no, it started with Sprint to Sprint calls were free. And so then it turned into this whole thing where you had to convince all your homies, yo, you got to get on Sprint, bro. (laughs) Just just so that we would have the, it it was a great marketing campaign. Chirp. When I chirp. Oh, chirp back, shorty, chirp back. Oh, that might have been Nextel. Then Nextel, Nextel became but Sprint, Nextel. But Sprint bought, Nextel. But Sprint bought Nextel, though. I remember the changeover. The beep, beep. Hey, you coming through? <laughs> the pager goes off. French guy calls Chris. Uh, give him the diamonds or Charlie's dead. Put Charlie on the phone says, tell him to shoot, shoot you in the medulla alagata. Won't feel anything. <laughs> medulla alagata. <laughs> They say 7 a.m. Long Beach Airport. And he says, no, you don't get to dictate this. And he'll tell them when, where to meet. He says, they'll call back. He answers the phone, and it's his mom. She's screaming at him. He hangs up on her. Uh, another call. It's a French guy. He says, 50-yard line, Coliseum, 3 a.m. Chris calls the detectives, tells him Coliseum, 3 a.m. Chris calls and leaves an answering machine message for Aaron. Charlie's loaded into a helicopter. He calls everybody. He calls Carmine. 
He goes rolling the guy who sold him the tickets at the beginning of the movie. I mean, that's when they're in the Coliseum. The detectives roll up and pull a gun on Chris. He pulls a gun on them. He says, calm down. Detective Exposition tries to get Chris to turn over the gun. Don't you even scratch your skinny, spanky ass, pal, or you're fucking dead. If I give you the gun and he shoots me, I'm going to kick your ass. Detective says, <laughs> Detective says backup's on the way. Wants to know where the diamonds are. Hothead Detective is confused by this. Chris says, who said anything about diamonds? And that's when we get the old switcheroo. The, who yeah. we thought was the bad detective gets shot by who we thought was the good detective. It means theory holds up. Always uh, beware of a, a cop who's nice to black people in the movie. Or in real life. <laughs> Keep that to movies. Says Chris just killed his partner. It's Chris's gun. Chris knocks him out as the helicopter appears and he runs away. French guy handcuffs Charlie to the helicopter. They fan out to find Chris. Chris tells Roland to put him on the big screen. Hey, French guy hits Charlie, screams at him in French. Carmine and his guys tackle Chris, want the money. Says he has fifteen million in diamonds. He offers Carmine ten, and he gets to keep five. They got to take out the French guys though. Charlie comes in, checks out the helicopter. Charlie grabs some grenades, and he's playing a real dangerous game. Uh, pulling the pins and hoping that he has wedged them in under this fucking helicopter enough that they won't go off. I want our all of our listeners who are in the military to let me know does that shit work because i feel like that's not how that shit works i mean he did a news report on street weapons he did do a that. grenade that is, is not true. a street weapon that is true that is kind of a little <laughs> bit a little bit a little bit more advanced beyond <laughs> street warfare fake sheriff searches for Roland in the press box i'm ready for another close-up mr demille i call that dude rudy fernandez <laughs> <laughs> yeah okay i'll give you yeah, that one. all right now i'm in on this yes. even though he's french it's fine it's but he look than... like rudy fernandez yeah he does I, i'm in on that one carmine's guy comes in shoots the shoots rudy fernandez he shoots <laughs> him back uh roland makes a payphone call in the bathroom but he's told to hold during uh the shootout reporting detective kills carmine chris grabs a gun he shoots horribly he sh- <laughs> he shoots he's just spinning around like he's not even pointing at him yeah oh that's when a missile hits the fucking lights and they come down on the cop and it's aaron in a rocket launcher with a lollipop fires okay. a rocket at the mercenaries just dawned on me that it's probably a bazooka pop charlie knocks out the helicopter pilot and grabs a gun aaron's bodyguard shoots a bunch of mercenaries french guy tackles chris wants to know where the diamonds are first i'm gonna shoot your right knee then i'm gonna shoot the other one you got that Homie. That's when Charlie comes up behind him and pistol whips him. Could you knock someone out with a gun, like pistol whips out, in one try? <sighs> Man, that, yes, but I don't think the odds are very high. Josiah. You, yeah, yeah. If I, get, if I get a clean shot, I think I could do that. I'm, I'm going hard, though. Temple, ear, I don't know. It's going to hurt a lot. They might not, they might not pass out, but they're going to be disappointed with with, with, <laughs> with their decisions in life. <laughs> <laughs> I like the idea that yeah, they're going to be disappointed. Oh, I wish I hadn't done that. <laughs> On second thought, I do have some regrets about how we got here. Maze? I have zero experience. I have no idea. Absolutely no idea. Probably not. It's like a breakaway bottle. Like, I don't think I could break a bottle on somebody's head and take them out either. Oh, that's a good question. Depends on the bottle. Yeah, I guess it de- does depend on the bottle. Yeah. I mean, could you? Oh, we got to keep going, man. We, we run over on time. You got that, homie? 
Chris is uh, Umi, Umi. Umi? Umi? That's what Chris says. Don't ever say I'm your goddamn homie, Frenchie. Rudy Fernandez still alive. He starts firing from the press box. Aaron then hands his bodyguard the lollipop. And the bodyguard, okay. it took me at this point, I finally placed him. He's the boyfriend in that, we talk about this Fresh scene Prince. a lot. I mean, yeah, Fresh yeah. Prince, where they they have to pretend that they're in a dream. This is just, just a, a dream. dream. <laughs> He's and the by bodyguard. The way, the, you know who the girlfriend is in that episode, right? Oh, is it Elise? Not mistaken. It's Elise Neal. Oh, shit. Ooh. Yeah. Yeah. Also, they've worked together before. That's good. Yeah. But uh, uh, quick Quick thing, because, again, I saw this movie like this. I saw it in 1997 when it came out in the theaters. I've owned it on DVD. I've watched it millions of times. Every time it's on TV, I'll watch it. This was the first time I ever noticed when Omar White is about to shoot out this press box, he tells the bodyguard, hold my lollipop. And then in the <laughs> next shot, the bodyguard is now eating the lollipop. It's yeah, in, his it right in his mouth. Yeah. Yep. And then he hands it back to him. And it reminded me of the scene in Power where Tariq gets in the car with Kanan and Kanan hasn't ever tried lean hands him the cup. And this little motherfucker Tariq, rather than opening the lid and taking a sip of it, he drinks it out the straw that Kanan was just drinking out of. Well, we saw when, uh, they called Aaron and they got the voicemail. There's some kind of freaky shit going on in Aaron's place. Maybe they're all in the poly. You never know. (laughs) (laughs) All right. He blows up the press box. That was beautiful. More French mercenaries chase Charlie and Chris up the steps. They're pinned down behind a statue, grabs the diamonds that he hit on the statue. French guy gets him to stop firing. He holds them up and says he was just bullshitting, (laughs) throws the diamonds all over the steps. They're raining all over. Cops show up as the mercenaries grab the diamonds. That's when the French guy runs to the helicopter, starts flying it, and the grenades that Charlie planted go off and blow it up. Cut to the next morning. Charlie's given the exclusive news story. Franklin, anything you'd like to add? Yeah, yeah. Hey, first of all, I told y'all I was innocent, but those of y'all thought I was guilty. Y'all know what y'all can do. Hey, mama, I love you. I'm okay, Paul. I love you too, babe. I'm gonna be home later on. We're gonna party, cook some chicken and some cornbread and some Kool-Aid, and I'm gonna be back at the car wash Monday morning. Everything on sale. Hey, price. Peace out. Now we cut to the wedding. Chris is his best man, gave him a ring, and it's not the right ring. It's a massive diamond. They're arguing about it in a whisper, and he kept enough of the diamonds. Uh, has a massive diamond earring that apparently Charlie just now notices, because that thing is fucking massive. What do you think that Charlie's original best man thought? <laughs> That's a good question. <laughs> you think he's at the wedding? Yeah, he didn't have any other groomsmen, so <laughs> doesn't seem like he planned for that. Oh, man, that's a great question. He's too busy, you know, being this hard-hitting reporter on the streets to make friends. Did she have a maid of honor? Because Chris just walks down with Elise. Mm. They all got bumped. Black History Month, bitch. Yeah, there you <laughs> go. Barry White plays as they go down the aisle. They're married. Roll credits. Oscar. <laughs> <laughs> Chris Tucker wore a styrofoam hairpiece for the entirety of this film. That's bananas. That shit did not look real. When I was younger, I used to think, man, his hair is perfect. My hair never stays that perfect for that long. Now, watching it today, I was like, oh, yeah, this, he's definitely wearing a wig. This is not real hair. She makes fun of him at some point, right? She's like, what's up with your hair or whatever? Yeah. Steve Harvey. Steve Harvey, exactly. Man, Josiah, you know what we used to believe? We The rumor we used to believe in college was that Steve Harvey's barber uses a laser. Like, <laughs> like his, his hair, For I the swear hairline? to God. For the hairline, that the hairline is laser guided or laser laser precision. Wow. Like we actually believe that. It was too perfect. It was too perfect. Paul Servino and Vic Damone went to school together. Yeah. And they went to the same high school, right? Yeah. 
It's the same school. This is Heather Locklear's first major role in a film since Return of the Swamp Thing flop in 1989. And then, like I was saying, in an article from Variety, January 2017, Brett Ratner says, Chris helped me get my job on Money Talks. When the original director left the project, Chris apparently said to the producers that he knew this cool white boy named Brett Ratner, and that's how it happened. I knew I could work with Chris, and that it would be a lot of fun. Money Talks made sense because I'd come out of music videos and it fit with what I'd learned. It happened very fast. And he went on to molest people. I met Chris Tucker through (laughs) Russell Simmons at one of the comedy clubs in L.A. Uh, And he just blew me away with his talent. I bet you did. I bet, yeah, that sounds about right. Oh, man. Good pick, I mean. Fun nostalgia. (laughs) Well, I mainly eat out of a dumpster. (laughs) I should try that. I need some new dresses. Don't. <laughs> or if you do, stay away from the one in Ocean and Wilshire. That's mine. Seriously. Stay out of it. Golden Dumpster nominees, the Faison Love prison scene, Barclay, the foul-mouthed British head of the TV station, really giving Charlie Sheen the business, Chris Tucker, just Chris Tuckering, Paul Sorvino acting his ass off when he learns that it's not Victim Owned Jr. And Aaron calmly blowing people up with a bazooka while sucking on a lollipop. That his bodyguard also sucked up. <laughs> uh, mean, what's your golden dumpster? I'm going I'm going with the, the Faison scene. I, I've always loved it. It's always been funny. But knowing to, I found out today, really, that it was ad-libbed and, and that Faison had just happened to be on the set that day. And that's how it worked out. That took it to a, a different place for me. So I, that's my golden dumpster. Josiah, golden dumpsters, essentially. It can be good or bad parts of the movie, but whatever you you find most memorable. What's your golden dumpster? And obviously the phase I've seen, but the helicopter scene too, because I use that, that meme so frequently. But, uh, <laughs> we did just, it! Just the, way, just the way he plays, just the way he plays that whole shit off. I mean, it's just, you know, just what made Chris Tucker so great, what makes him great to this day. But that moment, Hugging it out, him trying to negotiate, take over conversations, <laughs> offer some chicken girls or Kool-Aid. What kind of girls you want? Got like, <laughs> Black <laughs> with his life, you know, on the line, he's offering them girls in the middle of a helicopter. Like that's gonna be like, oh yeah, fine, we'll let him live. He, he got he got Japanese girls. <laughs> that that gets the dumpster for me. Maze, golden dumpster. It's Chris Tucker, Chris Tuckering. He carries this movie on his back. He's doing it all. Probably mostly improv. I'm giving it to him. Yeah, for me, I'm gonna agree with the meme. It's the phase on love prison scene. That, that I mean, it's so perfect between the two of them. Just the chemistry is great. They quit playing like everything. Just putting the handbag like it, the whole thing's fucking great to me. I mean, you picked it, motherfucker. So faux profile. Uh, come on, man. This shit was a file from the moment I picked it. This was never in question. This is one of the funniest movies. Like Josiah said earlier, it holds up heavy rewatchability. Super foul for me. Maze? Chris Tucker is fantastic. I definitely see how this was a great thing to show to studios to get a lot more money for the Rush Hour franchise. He's in the zone. Charlie Sheen's terrible. (laughs) The entire (laughs) plot of, like, going to the rich Italian guy's house. I do love how they worked in the auction scene out of that, though. That probably should have gone in Golden Dumpsters as well, but ringing into the auction. I'll file it, but it was not one of my favorites. Wow. Wow. Uh, wow. Racist oh, much? Wow. Man, that's, that's tough. Josiah, would you phobe or file this movie? Uh, I got to file it. It's a, it's a hitter. It, it's, it's a hood classic. Yeah, Charlie Sheen didn't deliver a good performance. We weren't expecting that from Charlie, okay? We needed Chris Tucker to be LeBron. We needed him to go out there and get it. 
He was down 3-1. He needed to come over three straight. <laughs> Championship. But no, he definitely carried the movie. Not not obviously my first rotation of Chris Tucker movies, but would definitely watch it. You know, like if it's on Turner or TBS, I won't turn the channel. Yeah, French dudes definitely blew a 3-1 lead there. Like, we don't have to be cute about it. We'll sweep it. This is a file. Like, I've never seen the whole thing all the way through. This was my first time doing that, but I'd seen pretty much the entire movie over the years just by tuning into TBS. It's it's Chris Tucker being Chris Tucker, and Charlie Sheen can be as you know bland as he wants to be. Everyone else, like Paul Sorvino's fantastic in it. It's an easy file. Yeah, I, mean, I really uh, didn't like Charlie Sheen in this, huh? No, I just didn't think he was – I just don't think he added anything to it. They did not have chemistry. <laughs> yeah, that, that's the other thing, right? There, there's no chemistry there. Like, you can be the, the straight man. You can be the dry humor guy, and you don't have to overdo anything. And he, he underdid everything, except for the, when he said, I can't wait for you to eat my ass. Well, and also, <laughs> and and also it's like a G-dog on a fly tip. <laughs> Blossing the pussy, cutting a crib. What the fuck does that mean? Yeah, that's, 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 that's how we end this Black History Month episode right there. Josiah, King Josiah 54 on Twitter. He's the best in this shit. You already what follow you, him. If you don't, what you what's wrong? Yeah, plug, what do you want to plug? Plug everything. I got a, got a new digital series on Bucket's Twitter handle called Out of Pocket, me yes. and Jack Schwartz. Getting that going. So shout out to that. And, you know, just hustling, moving. Got some things in the work. Colin in black and white coming out on Netflix. Hopefully, at some point this year, we'll see. You know what I mean? Keep our fingers crossed. But always moving and shaking. Got some things in the work. Really just trying to disappoint my haters every single minute of every single day. <laughs> this is, you're doing the, the work version of hitting them with a, with a gun. <laughs> like, damn, we got another job? <laughs> damn, we on another podcast? Damn it. Next time we make love, <laughs> you introduce me to Jade. As Black History Month rolls Jesus. along, what's next for you, my friend? A hard CK on that black right there. Jeez. Um, all right. So, oh man, I don't even know if I want to try this. I don't think I can. What? Let me. T- <laughs> you trying to be funny? Is that what you're trying? I was gonna try to be funny and pick this, but I can't do it. I can't do it. So, oh I'm, no. I'm not- so, well, what's the pick? What's the pick that you won't pick? Soulmate. Oh boy. <laughs> I feel like Soul Man absolutely needs to be the big. Really? It's what? written by Carol L. Black. <laughs> well, then I guess I'll go Soul Man. Oh man, I can't I can't wait for the backlash. Oh my god. No, 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 you trapped me. Wait, it's... no, I regret this. That's not my pick. Frenchie! Bonjour, motherfucker! Yo, Rob. Yo, I mean. What's the biggest complaint I always have whenever we record these podcasts? Besides Jerv being too sleepy, um, I think it's you forget to name a couple things. You always want to talk about some extra stuff. Oh, man. It's the worst feeling in the world. When we get done and we say cut and I'm sending the files to Rob and I say, shit, I forgot we were going to talk about this topic or that topic. Well, guess what? We're not going to have those problems anymore. If you go ahead and download the Stereo app. That's right. Go to Stereo.com slash Darth Amin. 
and make sure you are linked and subscribe to us and we're going to talk about all of the different things that I always forget about. This is a great app. Every time you guys are listening to this pod, you say, oh, I wish I could chime in. But you're listening to our pod. You can never chime in. It's pre-recorded. Guess what? With stereo, you're able to have your voice heard. You can ask real-time questions about either the pod episode we recorded or whatever we're talking about at the time. It's great. It's a forum for you to listen to your favorite podcasters. That'll be me and our, yours truly all at the Counting Things Network. And we're going to be out here. We're going to do this regularly multiple times a week. Just hop on stereo, download the app, subscribe, follow Dart the Mean, follow Talk Hoops, follow Trayvon, follow Big Waz, all of us. You know who we are. You search for us on the stereo app, you will find us and subscribe to us and be a part of these conversations real time. Have the ability to ask the questions that you want to ask. Stop us when we're on some bullshit, as we are frequently. And of course, Catch some content that goes above and beyond what you listen to in the podcast you already love. Again, that is the Stereo app. You can follow me, Stereo.com slash Mean. You can look up everybody else by their handles. Their handles are all the same as what we have on social media. You join us multiple times a week. I love Stereo. I'm on the app talking all the time. Follow me and get notified every time. I go live. Grand Canyon University, an affordable private Christian university, is one of the largest and fastest growing universities in the country, offering more than 270 programs online. In addition to federal grants and aid, GCU's online students received nearly $130 million in institutional scholarships in 2022. Find your purpose at Grand Canyon University. Private, Christian, affordable. Visit gcu.edu slash myoffer to see the scholarships you may qualify for.